0: the tires and light the fires, Big Daddy. That's right, it was very deep, important stuff. It
1: was good stuff. Was it really or are you messing with me? Because I don't want to waste my time.
2: <laughs> I know, yeah. God was like on fire.
0: Literally.
1: <laughs> Literally, Hi everyone, welcome to our third Dropping Keys Podcast. I can't believe we made it to three, that's the number of perfection, right? No? <laughs> I don't know. Um, uh, this is Jessica Thompson, and uh, I'm here to introduce my fellow Dropping Keys partners, my fellow key droppers. We need to come up with a name. Anyway. Um, so there's Chad West, the man Hey,
0: who... I'm Chad.
1: Oh, I was going to say something nice about you, and you interrupted.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. Go <laughs> ahead,
1: please. Nope, too late. Lost your chance. That's all. <laughs> yeah. and Jeff Block, the man who capitalizes the last three letters of his first name always. Right, Jeff? Ree?
2: That is correct. That's, that's <laughs> Jeff Ree.
1: <laughs> and then Kim Crandall, the brain behind this whole thing. Got us Yo. all going, and together. <laughs> hey. And uh, Lauren, who are you gonna talk, Lauren? I think she's muted. She's muted. <laughs> I didn't do it this time, guys. Who <laughs> muted Lauren? <laughs> Not me. But Lauren is our silent, our silent partner, I guess, today. <laughs> so we're. Uh, this is our second our second podcast back from Liberate and we're kind of still a little bit on the Liberate high so we wanted to start out with a question that we got that kinda of goes along with the Liberate message um, we actually got this emailed in to us um, uh, um, I think it's a woman is asking how do we perpetuate this message of Liberate how do we continue giving this message of Liberate if we aren't writers or speakers um, she talks about in her email how the message burns in her heart, and every time she hears it, she gets excited and feels a freedom. But and she wants to talk about it, but she's not a writer or speaker. So how do we live this out in everyday life? Um, I guess that's the question in in a kind of a shortened form. Mm-hmm. Well, I have
0: five steps that she can take. <laughs> <laughs>
3: you know, my first reaction when you sent us this email um, was like, I'm not going to tell her what to do. There's no practical steps to the gospel. You know, the gospel is done, not do, blah, blah, blah. But I, I I get what she's saying. Um And I, I, I really like, if you guys haven't read what Jeff wrote on Liberate, I don't know, last week or the week before, about how um, how we're all equipped to go out and, and give this message. Like, it's not just a message for the elite. It's not just a message for those speakers that are standing up there on the stage. Um, it's a message that we take with us to our coworkers, to our kids, to our mops group, our AA group.
1: It's all of our life I mean it's how it's how we live every single day um, there's a freedom that comes from knowing it's finished uh, that I don't have to then prove myself to my husband or to my children or to you guys or to the world um, there's a settledness I guess mm-hmm. is the right word maybe the biblical word would be peace
0: <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> that comes with knowing that it is truly finished for me that everything I I need to do to be accepted by God has been done and, and what that does in my heart is it frees me uh, it makes me laugh I, I saw a question on Twitter today it was like how would you describe a wild and free woman and I just thought it really what that is to me is, it, is someone who can laugh at themselves someone who can, um, who has a deeper joy knowing that Christ truly has paid it all and there's not this angst of always working, this fear that I'm never going to get it right, um, which is something I personally struggle with, just a fear that I'm never going to get it right and that yeah. I'm always going to be in second place and always second best, and that is truly um, my heart when I don't believe the gospel that my place doesn't matter. It was Christ's place for me. Mm-hmm. So when when you have that message, you can um, do that verse <laughs> that you can do. You can do the do verse. That, the verse that talks about like love up overlooks sin. So mm-hmm. um, I, I see that specifically. It, it's easier for me to do that with my children. It's much harder to do that with my husband. But I see that work out. In my life, in that way, when I'm really loving the gospel, believing the gospel, the Holy Spirit's working in my heart, um, then I, I'm. It's much easier for me to be patient with other people. That's one way I think for sure.
3: Yeah, and I, I think that. that's. I don't think it's necessarily like we have to go out and now have this ministry of, okay, go and write about it, go and speak about it, go and preach about it. It's lived out, not that, it just naturally flows out of us, Um, and I know in my life, as I start to um, become more free and had a deeper understanding of the gospel, it started to change my relationships, and people started to come to me and say, they started to tell me things that they had never told anybody, because I had you know, come to a place where I had nothing left, and then I just became very honest and I stopped hiding everything. And And for me, that just broke down the walls between me and other people. Um, it became, I became a safe place for people to come because they knew that I would get it because I had already shared right. that I'd been through it. And I think that's where our greatest ministry lies in our vul- vulnerability. Um, Allowing other people to enter in, and that's where we get to preach the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a lot more gospel preaching going on in our personal relationships yeah. than you know, like people look at us and they think, "Oh, you know, they're writing on a blog, they're speaking in front of people. They're doing a podcast. They have all these great opportunities to share the gospel, but that's not that's not our platform. Our platform is our families, our coworkers, the people around us, our neighbors. So basically, our platform, just like any of those major speakers at Liberate, their platform, all of our platforms are the people around us.
1: Yes. That's good, Kim.
2: Yeah, I, I think the reason I wrote what I wrote was I, I want to – I feel like Liberate, particularly the, the three, Elise and uh, Tolian and Steve, have, have the given trinity? the trinity, yes, <laughs> the, the trifecta, uh, the perfect number. <laughs> Um they give us language to use because I struggled with how do I how do I communicate what I want to? Uh, and, I, and that's where I was like, there's they've given us, and then everyone else has given us kind of space to then have a dialogue and they've given us language, which at first I was like, well, I don't want to rip off the same language, but in a way, it kind of just comes out of you naturally um, when you're when you're able to operate from a position of weakness. You know, I kind of tweeted that this week that, you want to have a great influence or something like that. Operate from, you know, a stance or position of weakness rather than um, of having it all together. And that's what I think yeah. exactly what you're talking about, Kim. Is we we can't operate from we have it all together. We have to operate from um, a position that we're weak, and that shows that we're actually relying more on Christ. But anyway, the the liberate uh, the aftermath. The liberate is really to me. Um, allowing us to use language and give us space to be able to just have it come out as naturally as as it can so um, I'm glad that that post was picked up because it just kind of hit me all of a sudden in the middle of the afternoon when I wrote it
3: (laughs) yeah you know and I think that we are all using the same language but it's all the language of the gospel we're all just saying the same thing which is a good thing that's a good thing if we were all saying something new that people should be alarmed because we shouldn't be seeing anything new. Um, And I think, I don't know about you guys, but I know I've kind of felt this, and at Liberate, a few things were said where people somehow think just because you're up in front of people speaking or just because you're a part of this ministry that... um, that you're set apart from them, that you're kind of on a higher tier, and like a couple of people had talked to us about dropping keys, and we're like, "Do you guys have an office?" Um, I think <laughs> Jeff, didn't someone ask you, Jeff, if you worked full time for dropping keys or some I heard some just some random <laughs> like. I was like, really? <laughs> we're like putting out one blog post a week, guys. You know, it, it's um. I think just people's perception, they somehow, and I know I do it too, like when I see that person, like Elise, I I know Elise, I know a lot of stuff about her, and we're very good friends, the I detail. see her on the stage, <laughs> no, 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 not that, um, <laughs> I see her on the stage, and I think, somehow, she's better, somehow, you know, and that's just me being honest. That's where my heart goes, and I have to remind myself because I know intellectually, no, she's not. You know, she's yeah. just she's just she like me. she her. <laughs> yeah, see, she's sinned against me already, so we're good. You know, we've broken that. She's shattered all of my, um, <clears throat> yeah, anything that I could put her on a pedestal with. So. I think that's
0: the key to me is... Uh... Is is getting kind of getting over yourself? If talking about kind of living out that life, because if you want to be honest with someone, you when because people are going to say things that are offensive to you, and they're going to say things to kind of goad you, um, and really they're only asking the question, but that's that's how they know how to ask the question, Mm. and and you've got to be able to not defend yourself. But to be able to just give the gospel in return, and that means getting over yourself. That means dropping uh, the pride and everything. And and if you understand the gospel, then you don't have any pride. You you realize that, uh, you know your your status with Christ and where you are, and that you're loved in spite of that. And and that you just give that in return. And I think that's what a lot of what it looks like is just living in the overflow of that love.
1: Yeah, I agree with you, Chad. It, it, it will just. And I, I think it's also living. How do you live out the liberate message? Well, you admit when you screwed up. Yeah. Because that's huge. Coming to your kids, coming to your spouse, coming to your co workers. Lauren talked a lot about that in her talk. Like, uh, you're a- in her dropping keys talk out, liberate. You're able, you're now free because you're forgiven, because you've been absolved of all guilt. Uh, in the eyes of the Lord, because of Christ's work, you're now free to admit to people when you've screwed up. Uh, you don't have to pretend any longer. And that, in and of itself, people asking for forgiveness, admitting sin freely, um, not theoretically like, oh, I had a little problem with pride today. Um, <laughs> but, you know, everybody always, I wonder someone who's talking about, oh, I struggled with pride. It's like, yeah, you yeah. fully freaking gave into it, and you were a jerk. <laughs> so,
0: um,
1: yeah, I think being honest about our sin, confessing specific sin, and asking for forgiveness from people, admitting that we've hurt them, mm-hmm. is a real way to live out the message of liberate. Yeah. 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 That, I, uh... yeah
0: that it's kind of it's not about us. I mean, it's yeah. I mean, you know, it's about loving other people. It's about loving the neighbor well, and we often think of it like that, like oh, well we want to navel-gaze and say, well, well, what can I do? How can I change? What do I need to do? Uh, look, you open your eyes is what you need to do, the big part of it, and look at other people and see where they're hurting and where they need you and your love. Yeah,
3: yeah um, there was a tweet that went out. I was going to save this for my Tweet of the Week. but Tweet of the Week. There we go. Uh, Marcy Preyheim. I don't know. I'm sorry, Marcy. I'm probably butchering your last name. Um, she said, "God doesn't require you to have a teaching spot to preach the gospel." Um, I just, I just think that fits really well with this question. You know, it's it's not about the teachers and the preachers and the podcasters and the writers. Um, he's asked us all to go out and proclaim the gospel, and we do that um, every day.
2: That was that was yeah, that was one of my favorite tweets. I actually did a little tweet art of that uh, because I enjoyed it so much.
1: My tweet of the week this week it's from the girls at She Reads Truth. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with them. They do a daily devotional uh, that they take you straight. Like right now they're going through a series for Lent, and um, so every day there's a different there's a different blog. A lot of them are just mind-blowingly good. Anyway, their tweet this week was actually just a quote <laughs> from Oswald Chambers that I just loved. And it says this, it is not repentance that saves me. Repentance is a sign that I realize what God has done in Christ Jesus. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: And I just, oh man, that is so good. I think so often I I feel like if I can just repent right or... um, I even use... I I know Tolians talked about it a thousand times, but I use my repentance as a way to make things right with God and I. Mm -hmm. And that's not... Uh, that's, not the, that's not the point of repentance. <laughs> that's not what repentance is about. Repentance is just me agreeing with God about what he's already said. I'm a sinner. I have a savior. And so I just love that. I think church, the evangelical church in general does a lot of, oh, you have to repent. Show true repentance. And uh, if you don't do that, then you really haven't repented. And uh, using repentance as a sign... Of our uh, righteousness, Mm -hmm. when actuality repentance is what uh, our what God has done is what gives us our righteousness, and repentance is us just agreeing with that gift. So um, I loved that tweet personally. It was real good.
3: That that reminds me of um, Rod Rosenblatt, and I had heard it. Couple years ago, because it was like the, the soundbite of the week on issues, etc. Um, and then he said it again at Liberate. He said, Our repentance is half-assed at best. Right. And uh, when I first heard that, I was just blown away. I was like, Oh my gosh, you're right. Like, I can't even do that right. I need Christ <laughs> in my repentance. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. No, that's good, really great, Jess.
2: Good tweet, Jess. <clears throat> How about you, Chad? Um my
0: favorite tweet of the week is kind of like it, it's an inception type tweet because it is from Lauren Larkin who is in her time hop. So it's like from last year, but it's recent, but it's not. It's just a big it's a mind thing. Uh, it's it's from there's a Robert Capon quote and it says, You are out from under everything. Law, sin, guilt, blame—it all rose off your back like a like rain off a tombstone. Uh, oh. Oh, I love Capon, but
3: I miss that. That's great. Yeah, that's, that's really great. And I love how you say his name. Can you say
0: it again? Capon. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> I just picked up his book that I bought three years ago and started reading it, and then just found it again because that's how I roll. But um, Kingdom Grace. Judgment
4: um,
3: about the parables. And he just blows my mind every single day. Can I just tell you something? I had a dream about him the other
4: night.
2: (laughs) Was Was it a a good dream?
3: (laughs) You can edit if you want. (laughs) It was a great dream. So you guys all know how I absolutely freak out every time I have to speak. (laughs) And. What did I say to you, Jess, right before the Dropping Keys dinner? I leaned over and whispered, I don't want to do this. (laughs) Like seconds before I started talking. me (laughs) now. She's like, you're fine, Kim. (laughs) So anyways, um, but this was – this totally broke – well, this and something else, but this dream just absolutely um, did it for me. He (laughs) – Robert Cabin (laughs) – told me that um, that all the people that I'd be speaking to were dead. They were already dead. And the only thing that was going to change anything for them was to give them Jesus. The only thing that would give them life was to give them Jesus. Wow. And then he said, and this right here is where it all is for me, he goes, you can't screw this up because they're already dead.
4: Wow. (laughs) uh,
3: Wow. I don't know. Read what you want into it. But honestly, I went into speaking with a whole different mindset. Like, I'm only here to give dead people Jesus. They're already dead, so I can't screw it up. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Sometimes things make sense to me in my dreams, but not to other people, so maybe.
0: No, that's awesome.
1: Um, (laughs) It's very prophetic. My yeah. I had a prophetic gene but it was actually for Kim. Oh gosh, <laughs>
3: this is awful. So I always, okay. Can I? Do you care? Yeah. No, go okay.
1: ahead. Okay. I was um nervous about speaking at Liberate because I mean it's Liberate. Because and, you were
3: doing uh, a separate workshop separate yeah, from the Drop right, Center.
1: Right. I was part of the pre conference. And I had this dream <laughs> that I got there to speak and there was only seven people showed up. And we all sat around a folding table, and everybody just argued with me and kept having questions the whole time. And, like, I barely even got through my my talk. <laughs> and so this was I woke up, and I'm like, okay, I'm clearly freaking out about this. Because typically I can control that stuff, like, you know, during the day. And then at night it keeps me up all night. So then Kim <laughs> actually spoke last weekend. Right, Kim? What's it last weekend? Right. Would yeah, so like go ahead. To...
3: So I I texted Jess after I spoke, I said, well I I spoke twice, I did two different workshops. Um, The first one there was a good turnout and it went well. The Mm -hmm. second one was after lunch, it Mm -hmm. was freezing rain, they put me like in the main hall which I thought was like a a compliment because they
1: thought a lot of people were coming.
3: I don't know really what it was, but the main hall, is. I was at a camp, so the main hall was like this huge trek up this hill, um, away from all the cabins and everything, so nobody wanted to go out in the rain, nobody, they wanted to go learn how to make, what was it, homemade soap or something, was um, <laughs> one of the workshops, or the Obedience Dilemma, was another, um, <laughs> Jeff knows how I feel about that one. Um, and. <laughs> And so, so I go up there and I walk into the main hall and it's pitch black. I thought I was late, and um, you know, because I had showed like minutes before I speak. And so I just sat there in the dark, and then someone (laughs) finally comes in, and he turns on all the lights, and he doesn't even notice that I'm in there. And he turns on the sound system and everything, and I'm just sitting there. And then my assistant. They assigned an assistant to me for the weekend. She finally comes in. I'm like, well, I guess no one's coming. She says, well, we'll wait. we wait about 15 minutes. Three ladies show up. They're all from the same church. And so nobody else, you know, we finally it was like 20 minutes later, no one else is walking in. So we all sit down at a folding table.
2: <laughs> a folding table.
3: <laughs> a folding table. And I sit, and I teach these ladies. But these ladies kept interrupting me to talk to each other, to be like, oh, we do that really well, don't we? Or, oh, so-and-so, and and they started talking about things that I wasn't talking about, and it was the most awkward thing ever. And it was just so hilarious, because it was exactly... Like Jess's dream, except for worse because less people were there.
4: <laughs> so it does happen. It really does.
2: Well, that's crazy.
4: Um.
2: All right, who's got a next tweet? Is it my turn? Yes. Uh, I'm gonna share two this time because I can. Um, the first was kind of in a way, had to do with has to do with what we've been chatting about previous um, this came from Rondi Lauterbach Um, I really enjoy her stuff and Rondi uh, wrote this she said Jesus doesn't offer a generic salvation his rescue is customized personal suited to each one who cries and uh, in a way I think sometimes we think we are uh, we're just a generic Christian you know, I don't have much to say, or how to I don't blog? I don't do this, and it is just we kind of think that we're just generic. Or, but but um, Jesus actually actually rescues us um, in a very personal way, and and suits us. Um, so I thought that was really really good.
3: Yeah, that is good, especially because she lives in San Diego. So
2: <laughs> <laughs> she does. Um, the next one actually is uh, I just want to say this because we were in a way also talking about this early on um, in the podcast. This came from just my tweet, but it wasn't me that said it. I tweeted, (laughs) I tweeted my. uh, There's a seventh grader in my youth group that we 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 were chatting about uh, strength, and I actually showed a clip from Tullian, um, and then she she said this. It was really profound. She said, "It takes a lot of strength to admit that you're weak," Mm. and I thought. You know, dang, you're you're processing this pretty well. You're you're 12 years old, <laughs> and yeah. uh, I know I'm just praying that 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 idea of strength is not something she tries to um, seek, but she tries to operate under a, you know the position of weakness and having a strong strong savior. But yeah, I thought that was great, and I'm like it's, it takes a lot of strength to admit that you're weak. So uh, that was from her name's Arhelia, and. Uh, she comes from a really rad family, so I'm excited that. Do uh...
1: you have a tweet of the week for
4: us, Lauren? Sure. Um, it's uh just kind of came through this morning. Um, I think it's this morning. Usually I check my tweets pretty fast in the morning, but um, it's something that I. I would sort of talked about a few years ago in a paper that I wrote, and I just really like this idea, but it's, it's a quote from Ray Cortese through, it was the tweet, but it was Ray Cortese's quote, and the church should be so full of laughter and joy that outsiders press their noses against um, our windows longing to get into the party, and yeah. <laughs> and I think that 99% of Christians make Christianity something that no one wants to be a part of specifically when we talk you know our life like it's it's about people like the why I always kind of roll my eyes at this but everyone says like oh I just want to be a good person because people are gonna be drawn to that and I'm like the last person I'm drawn to is someone who's awesome yeah <laughs> It's really true. Like, I have to unfriend people on Facebook and stop following people on Twitter because their life is too good. It pisses <laughs> me off. And literally, it literally pisses me off. I'm like, why? Especially when I'm in a situation like now where I'm wrestling with a whole bunch of things and I'm not in the best of spirits. Like, I need, what I need around me are real people and that sort of starts to bubble up the joy that I can text, you know, Kim or I can text Sarah Terrace or my friend Leslie and say, I'm angry right now, I'm upset, and then there's this camaraderie that's there, and then the joy starts to happen, because I'm not alone, I've been hurt, no one's appalled, no one runs away, and I think that joy, this is something that, um, uh, Jumel, uh, Erhard Jomel spoke about, um, in one of his books that I had to read, but he said that the true mark of the Christian is, um, a joyous life, like, that's what people, that's like the ability to laugh. Um, I don't think we talk about that enough. So I just love this idea of this counter Christian culture idea that it's about laughter and parties and not about, you know, beating your back with a whip or starving yourself or asceticism or being so holy that you're wearing just gray and you want to be like hidden in the corner. It's about vibrant life. And so... That to me, like even though I'm not full of laughter or joy at this time, it just really spoke to me. It's the truth. Like it's the the flat out truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think more people would uh, benefit from being more Christians. <coughs> at so anyway, that's it. That, that to me was the best quote that I've seen. Yeah,
1: that's
3: really
4: great.
0: Yeah, that's awesome.
4: What um. about you, Kim?
3: Well, again, my tweet of the week comes from Elise Fitzpatrick. Um, he said, "Satan, that pile of sh star star, tempts you to sin, and then accuses you before your father. Remember, there is now no condemnation. Run to him." Um, I just love when Elise is bold on Twitter because I know how bold she is. <laughs> and I, just, huh. and I, I know what situation she was referring to here. Um, and I just love that she said this. And, but and, a lot of people you do. You
2: respond, and uh, I think you responded pretty well.
3: Well, um, as soon as I read that, I immediately tweeted, um, and cue the gatekeepers, because I knew exactly where that tweet was going to go, and it went there. Um,
0: she the got a first... lot of SH star star for that tweet. She?
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? Okay, so this guy, I won't mention his name, I don't even know who he is, but <clears throat> this was the first comment I read. Um, I don't want to be the Pharisee here, but is it? But it's now okay to cuss. <laughs> and I was like, okay. First of all, she didn't cuss. She did not cuss. She did, there was not a cuss word written on that page. There was sh star star. That's not a cuss word. <laughs> I mean, she was alluding to it, obviously. Second of all, yes, you're being the Pharisee, um, and that's exactly what happens. That's people don't want people, it, it's just, we've got these gatekeepers who think that it's their job to check up on us and make sure, just make sure everybody's falling in line, um, because somehow they think that that, that that's what Christianity is about, is about yeah. us being good and us not cussing and us doing this and that, um, and I'm just, I'm so fed up with it. I, I think I'm going to add a chapter to my book, um, And I'm calling it Gatekeepers, Naysayers, and Gospel Perverts. And I just, I don't know if they'll keep that that title or not. I doubt it. But I'm just, I'm done with it. I'm so done with people putting their noses in my business and thinking that they're in charge of my holiness. Um, My favorite response, honestly, to this whole thing was the guy who, who just wrote hashtag fart at the Devil.
2: <laughs> That's
3: good. But then um, Jessica, Jessica wrote she was on there, you know. Not she wasn't defending her mom, but she was in on the conversation. I didn't even join in because I didn't have time for that. But um, she, what? Who was this? Um, oh, she said she posted an excerpt from. Horton quoting Barnhouse. And it says, What would things look like if Satan really took control of a city? Over half a century ago, Presbyterian minister Donald Gray Barnhouse offered his own scenario in his weekly sermon that was also broadcast nationwide on CBS radio. Barnhouse speculated that if Satan took over Philadelphia, the city where Barnhouse pastored, all of the bars would be closed. Pornography would be be banished. And pristine streets would be filled with tidy pedestrians who smiled at each other. There would be no swearing. Children would say "Yes, sir" and "No, ma'am," and the churches would be full every Sunday, where Christ was not preached.
2: Whoa. Um. That's good.
3: Yeah. So I, I don't, and I don't mean to be, I you know. It's not this war between us and the gatekeepers, and honestly, I see a lot of that going on on Twitter, and it makes me really sad. People kind of hunting other people down and saying, well, you can't say that. You know, we're just, if we're going to be preaching grace, we need to, um, it's not about hunting people down who aren't preaching grace. Hmm. Um, It's about creating something better. Putting Christ out there as more beautiful than what these people are saying, and just continually giving people Christ, not arguing with them about i mean and and there's a time for sure to stand up for stuff and to say stuff, and I'm not against that at all and you'll see me do that but but there is there is a kind of a group of people that do like to argue um, with the gatekeepers, which I think is just a total waste of time honestly yeah. Um, I like what Tammy Haglund said um, to Elise. She said that people care more about using a vulgarity to describe the most vulgar being, says much about our hearts. We need Jesus. Hmm. So it really became, you know, her her whole <clears throat> her whole purpose in tweeting that was to talk about the battle against Satan. And that's what she was speaking about. And people took it and they, they, they took the beauty of the fact that she was um, telling us, you know, reminding us that there's no condemnation and reminding us that this is a war against what Satan's tempting us to. And people took that, one little word that she didn't even say, and made the entire thing about that. Totally leaving Christ out and leaving the good news of what she said out. And I think that that's so much of what happens in Christianity Mm -hmm. and with people who think that it's their job to make sure that we don't open the gate (laughs) and free people.
0: Right.
1: Yeah. It reminds me of this quote, uh, just going back to not what she talked about, except that when she's talking about Satan, so his. (laughs) He's called the accuser of the brethren, and I heard, I think, Tim Keller, I'm not sure who, talking about how he doesn't just accuse us of our badness, which we, we would automatically think, yes, he brings, up lot, he brings up things that we've done, our past, constantly. But another way he accuses us is by telling us that we're so good we don't need God. Um, so constantly bombarding us with, you're better than so-and-so. Um, Uh, Look at how good you just did. That's Satan too. So he's accusing us of our goodness and he's accusing us of our badness. And the beautiful thing about Christ is he even had, so we always say like, oh, Jesus had meals with sinners. Like that's our big, in the grace movement, one of our big uh, mantras. And it's true and it's right. But he also sat down and had lots of meals with Pharisees. Yeah. Um, We see that all through the Gospels. And so I think, you know, in both of those things, he, you take that, I mean, Christ is for all. <laughs> so he's for the Pharisee. He's for the gatekeeper. He's for the person that feels like they have to correct everything anybody says, which don't get me started, because sometimes <laughs> I don't believe he's for them. But he is for that. He's for the sinner. He's for the prostitute. He's for the lonely. Um, this is what's so great about our Christ, is that he sits down with Pharisees, and he sits down with sinners. And I just, I love that. And, and that's what she's getting across there. That's what she's trying to say right now. There's no condemnation for all of us.
0: That really speaks to me because I think about I think about that a lot. About how that's all we're about is about morality and about we focus in so much on on the law and on what's good and what's bad and that's a lot of what the gatekeepers are doing is uh, just focusing in on on the good and the evil and the good and the evil and it's beyond that it's it's not about that anymore uh, but if that's all our focus is then we miss Christ right yeah. uh, because it's about what we can do and about what we're doing right and wrong and about what someone else's view of a perfect christian is and if you don't meet that view then you must not be a christian or at least not a, a red hot one like they are and uh yeah. And if 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 it really was up to Zayden we would be a very moral upright people and uh miss God altogether. And that's that I love I love that quote though. It's amazing.
3: It You're, is I, when when I read it I immediately thought of myself and I thought this this is how I want my home to be. Like, exactly. not, like not that it would be you know not that those things are bad things that people would be I don't know whatever, but um, but this is what I'm preaching to my kids. you know, I'm preaching to them, don't drink, don't do pornography. Everything needs to be pristine. Everybody in the house needs to be smiling at each other all the time. There's no swearing except for mom. The children would say, <laughs> I'm just kidding. The children say, Yes, sir, or no, ma'am.' and we'll we'll be in church every sunday you know that that's so often what in my head i think of as the perfect family and what i dream my family to be like
2: yeah yeah i i wrote something this morning that i kind of just described i think with what the outcome that these gatekeepers want is a ends up becoming a guilt-driven moralism that's masked as a pursuit yeah. of holiness
0: mm-hmm. And,
2: um, they, you know, they kind of tried to shame Elise or shame us and saying, how can you do this? Don't you want to pursue holiness is kind of the, the, the message. And I just think that's it's, – but it's guilt-driven moralism, which is exactly what the quote is saying, is you're doing it out of a behavior modification. Um, yeah. and, but it's all Absolutely. done in this pursuit of, like, you've got to obey, you got to be holy, you got to be clean. And uh, just say, screw that. <laughs> I'm not clean, nor will I ever be. Yeah.
4: It sort of, it sort of exposes um, a deep problem in their theology in the sense that they understand neither the law nor the gospel. Mm. Um, and it's sad to me. It's sad because I don't think, I think of myself and I think of how horrible I am, but then I also think about how much I love works. And I think that, I know very few people who are actually at risk for becoming sluggards. Yeah. We yeah. have a hard time resting. The majority of people I speak to, whether or not it's talking about discipline or whatever, when it comes down to it, we'll all confess that we have a hard time resting. Like we live under our own inner, you know, warden that's driving us relentlessly in one way or another. You know, I mean, your life might not look like mine. Mine can be, look very rigid and. You know, I work out every morning and get criticisms for all my mat- my walks that occur on my Twitter feed. Uh, <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not, I'm, you, just, just looking at my life, you can see that I'm not at risk. I'm not at risk for all of a sudden becoming, not having, doing nothing. So when, when these people, these gatekeepers come in and they start talking about the law like that it's now about doing and obeying, to me, I just can't help but think, you don't understand the law. One, you have a very narrow concept of the law. The law is much bigger than our whole entire existence. And two, you don't understand humanity. I mean, it's just it's it's sad. And they're forcing, it. and then simultaneously, they don't understand the gospel because now they're making the gospel serve the law, which drives me batty straight up a wall because the second word never serves the first word. But it just to me, it just I just sit there like dumbfounded, like I can't even. I don't even want to argue with you because we're not even dealing with the same set of words. We're not even yeah. looking at the same way. We're on two different planes. Have fun with your life, gatekeeping. I'm gonna go throw a party. And yeah.
3: <laughs> well, and I think that's the point of when we do speak to the gatekeepers, whoever they may be. You know, they don't, they're not gonna call themselves the gatekeepers, but um, they
1: might actually.
3: Well, that's
1: yeah.
3: true. <laughs> I did. I saw on someone's Twitter bio one time. It was something like keeping Christianity. Mm. I don't know what the word they used was, but I was like, seriously? Like I thought it was a joke. But, um, it's like keeping Christianity pure one tweet at a time. Oh. <laughs> um, but the thing is, is when we speak to these people, um, we just need to be giving them Christ.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean,
3: not not that they don't need to hear the law; they do need to hear the law. But what I'm saying is just that that us arguing with them and making it a, you're right, I mean, you're wrong, we're right, that's not going to do anything.
0: Yeah.
3: <laughs> but maybe a, you're wrong, I'm wrong, look at Christ. Like, mm-hmm. we're all screwing it up. Um, so let's just look at Christ who did it perfectly on our behalf. Yeah. Um, and, the, and you know the whole, like, hashtag of fart at the devil? Like, that's Christianity wants... Okay, so it would be okay if she had said, Satan, that pile of poo-poo,
1: know, yeah.
3: to use the nice Christian word, Nothing, nobody would have said anything about it.
0: Nothing. Yeah.
3: And she didn't even cuss. I just, <laughs> it's just amazing. It, it really um, does show the depths of our hearts as far as the gatekeepers hearts who come in and say, you can't say that. You can't do that. And then it shows our hearts who come in and say, you can't tell me what to do. You can't, you know, it's just ugliness all around and we just need Jesus. Yeah. Um, I I was listening to the Christ Hold Fast podcast yesterday and I caught just at the very end, um, I had to go back and write it down. Dan Price says, If you want to scratch ears, tell people their works matter. If you want to save souls, tell them it is finished. Um, and you know that that's just the freedom of it is finished is the freedom to be able to um, live in our humanity and express ourselves in a way. And and I'm not like I'm not saying to people go out and cuss all over Twitter because that kind of bugs me. Um, just it's just the fact is it's not about cussing. Yeah, it's about Christ. Yeah, I don't yeah. know what the big deal about cussing is. Like, yeah. it's just made of words that man made up. Like, <laughs>
4: I, I I love it when someone says to me because I'll say like ah oh, oh snickerdoodles whatever and they're like well you truly cussed in your heart and I'm like duh <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. Did I really? I thought I was actually literally saying snicker in like in a, in a happy tone and like rejoicing. I mean I shut my foot. I mean I'm gonna say something. You know? Like I don't I don't get it. Like if cussing is your thing that you're gonna get on, then you're you need help.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh no, she's dying. Oh more, oh, more. No, no. Saints, Lorian, you're gone. We can't hear you.
0: Says <laughs> H Star that Star. Out. No, no, no.
3: Edit that out. Am I back on? <laughs> Don't
0: worry, it's just doing the editing. <laughs> <laughs> wah wah. Rodding us to death. What is
3: this?
1: Well, thanks so much for joining us for this episode of Dropping Keys. Uh, to quote Big Kim, uh, grace out.